Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business... New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti at Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District. Welcome to Out to Lunch, the show about New Orleans business. We quite often hear inspiring stories about entrepreneurs who take a crazy chance on a wild idea and it pays off. FedEx, Apple, Virgin, they're the best known, but none of these startup stories are more inspiring than that of local businesswoman Simone Bruni. Simone was a party and event planner in New Orleans. But in late 2005, you may remember this, suddenly the party was over. Nobody needed a party planner. Simone put on a hard hat, picked up a sledgehammer, and reinvented herself as a demo diva. From literally knowing nothing about demolition, Simone waded into what was not a male-dominated, but a male-only world, and used that as a marketing tool, painting her dumpsters and demolition equipment bright pink. Today, you see those pink dumpsters all over the city, and Demo Diva is a multi-million dollar residential and commercial demolition business. The Demo Diva, Simone Bruni, is my guest today on Out to Lunch. Simone, welcome and thanks for joining me. Well, hello there. It is great to meet you. I do. I think I know you because I see I see you work everywhere, and that's, uh, that's great. Now, you're the pink side. Now, we're going to talk about the green side, which is odd because I am colorblind, so let's try it that way. The, uh, the <laughs> it could be the blue side. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> now, of course, demolition is only half the story. The second half is reconstruction, and that's where my other lunch guest today comes in. Will Bradshaw's Green Coast Enterprises is the realization of what seemed to be little more than a cheerleading slogan uh, after the devastation of 05. New Orleans is going to come back better and stronger. Remember that? Did you really believe that was going to happen? The business climate here now is stronger than it's ever been, and the rebuilding of the city in some areas is better than it was before. Green Coast Enterprises' contribution to rebuilding better can be seen in undertakings like Project Home Again. That's $20 million worth of energy-efficient new housing, and then $30 million neighborhood stabilization program, the rollout of the energy efficiency program, NOLA Wise, and the rebirth of the Broadmoor Commercial District at Washington and Broad. Will Bradshaw, co-founder and president of Green Coast Enterprises, so welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, it's great to be here. Well, let's start by talking briefly about uh, Washington Broad because perhaps nothing reflects the commercial path of New Orleans better than that particular area. For years, I mean, way before Katrina, there was some kind of restoration of the pumping station going on that seemed to take longer than the building of the first aqueduct across the Roman Empire. Uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, then the rerouting of traffic for literally years killed right. what was a vibrant commercial district. And then Katrina washed away whatever hope remained of revitalizing it until Green Coast came along. Now tell us what it's taken to bring the area back and what this particular experience might tell us more generally about the redevelopment track we're on as a city. You know, I think some of the most important things for us were actually the really strong partners who were already there. Uh, the Broadmoor neighborhood, 
particularly under the leadership of Latoya Cantrell, who's now council member for District B, uh, has been just a tireless cheerleader for the intersection, for that area of town, for our project, any number of things. Uh, the Rhodes family, uh, who has their kind of flagship funeral home and, and uh, really life event center. Uh, in the old Tivoli Theater that's right there at the yeah. intersection, and they, had, they brought that back, um, I think reopened in 2006 or 2007, I can't remember so exactly So what does that when. tell me? It tells me when you're redeveloping, you're not gonna do the way some cities have, which is knocked everything down and brought in a whole new culture. You're utilizing what's already there. For sure, and I think without some real kind of, um, something to build from, you know, it's, it's hard to, to go just completely off into the wilderness by yourself and try to do something. Um, and so I think with the Rhodes family, with Broadmoor there uh, as building blocks, uh, what we tried to do was really assemble um, some really interesting old buildings, 1920s, 1930s era buildings, uh, and put together a plan to renovate them. We actually started with just one building. It was kind of a funny story. Um, we had one building we were going to renovate and then swap with a nonprofit partner who had a building uptown that we were going to convert to condos and put them and build a suit office space and everybody you know, would get what they wanted and, and be happy. Um, we worked with their board, uh, particularly the real estate committee of their board for about nine months, bought the building, did a number of things, and uh, then they had to take it to a full vote of the board. And the full vote of the board came up in 2008 and the full board voted it down. Uh, so now we owned a building, we didn't have a tenant. <laughs> Good start. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and about maybe three or four weeks after that, we got a call from the head of the real estate committee telling us our building was on fire. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, and I, ha I have you on because you're a success. <laughs> you might want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is, We're know, waiting for that part yeah. of the story. <laughs> so we uh, came out there that uh, arsonists in the neighborhood had set about five or six fires, had now put our building you know, ablaze. Uh, four alarm fire uh, actually ended up getting a, a total loss on the building because of the damage to historic elements in the interior, though the structure was still there. Uh, and we had a moment where we had to decide, like, all right, do we you know, pay off the loan, sell the building, uh, and walk away, or do we take the insurance settlement and make a bigger project that will have a larger impact on the ascensor section and scale you know, 9,000 foot building renovation to something that would be 25, 30,000 feet. Uh, and we opted for the second, right? So we bought these three other buildings, put together a bigger project, utilized uh, new markets, historic tax credits, um, some state economic development funds, some city economic development funds through the redevelopment authority, uh, pulled in any number of partners, local and national, uh, to help with the financing and put together this really interesting revitalization project that oh, is is just doing great. It's, I'm very it's glad wonderful. you chose B. Uh, that was so not the, not so the walk we. away <laughs> part. They, yeah. now, Simone, one of the, oh, it's really an almost cliche questions that business consultants ask startup entrepreneurs is about scaling up the uh, viability of growing a business from a woman with a truck to a woman with a fleet of trucks. And, and you've done that successfully in New Orleans. And I think if you got wildly successful at this, at some point, and pardon the demolition pun, you'd hit a ceiling. Um, you'd, you'd actually knock down everything that needs to be knocked <laughs> down, and you can't knock down things that people do not want knocked down. That's very important. Is, uh, is that what happened? Is that why Demo Diva is now expanding statewide and along the Gulf Coast? Or was scaling up part of your plan all along? 
I never imagined that this would even be a viable business. I really thought I was going to be a flash in the pan and gone. I started uh, Demo Diva just to have a sense of an income. Um, people were asking me to help gut their houses. And from gutting their houses, they were saying, oh, now we need to demolish. We've decided on demolition. Because you were a single woman without a career at right, that point, right? right? I mean, all I said, all I owned was a name, Demo Diva. I said, oh, let me go ahead and launch this name targeting women to help them gut their house. But in that process, I realized people wanted to go ahead and tear down. For two years, no equipment. And finally said, I love this industry. I want in. I went out and bought my first piece of equipment, painted it pink. It happened to be Volvo. Volvo caught wind of it, Volvo Heavy Equipment. North America caught wind of it. And they, from that point on, it caught like wildfire. Volvo has been a wonderful <laughs> friend of mine to help me grow. Um, did a lot of press and media. And um, it just snowballed from there. So, no, I, when I started, I did not start. I, there I, wasn't there a master was, plan. Th there no. wasn't even a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't even a one-year plan. It was anything then we will to just conquer pay. Ohio. Yeah, it was just get me through the year, pay the bills. But the blessing of this has been to be a viable part of rebuilding New Orleans. And not just to women. I targeted women because I, th I thought that's the only person that would trust me or give me a chance. It was an entire disasterized community. You know, men and women. Yeah. And um, of course, my crew is men. And that's the beauty of it too. We have some women that work with us, but it's really men are our backbone. Still in this industry, it's predominantly men. And um, you mentioned you're going to a big demolition conference in Amsterdam and... Um, yes, I'm so excited. I've been invited to be the, uh, a speaker at the demolition, World Demolition Summit in Amsterdam. And uh, to, they, they're, they're wanting to know what does it take to get into the demolition industry as a demo diva. Now, what? I want you to know who I'm in the company of. These are engineers and architects, men who do strategic demolition, such as the implosion of a nuclear smokestack, an archeological wow. dig of a train station in Vienna. So these are strategic demolitions. And then you have the demo diva there saying, I tear down slabs in Chalmette, <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> so it's exciting. Well, you know, now it's the checklist part of the program, and that's where I, I take it just a few minutes and ask you a couple of questions that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. And uh, I'm going to start with one that uh, I get asked a lot, and I'll, I'll start with you, Simone. If you could change one thing about New Orleans, what would it be? The blight. It's so detrimental to our city. It is a, a darkness that's hovering over the city, and it's not in just um, poor neighborhoods. It's in middle-class neighborhoods. When you see an abandoned house, you s it's like an abandoned soul, and it brings down the neighborhood. It brings down the value of the property. It brings down businesses. It brings down the emotional psyche of that neighborhood. And um, I am 100% behind the mayor to eradicate blight. Well, you know, I sit on the, the last 15 years of the city's revenue estimating committee, and, and the blighted housing thing is, a, is huge to the city because not only when you sell the property does it generate revenue for the city, but then you get it back on the tax rolls. And, uh, you know, yeah. so, I mean, if you can turn it around, you're absolutely right. But the city does not want to be a landlord. When you become a landlord, you're cutting grass. Yes. You're now liable. Someone trips on your property. Oh, a, a, a manhole wasn't covered or a sewer hole wasn't covered. Then you, become, you, you have sure. exposure for lawsuits. So the city is not wanting to take back property, um, but people have left the city. People have abandoned their properties, and of course financial problems have also, people have walked away from their loans and mortgages. 
What would you change uh, about the city? That um, I'm going to answer a slightly different question. It's okay. something that, that I'm worried is going to change that uh, I hope actually continues for a while, uh, which is that for the last you know, eight years or so, the city of New Orleans has been a place where almost everyone who was here was here as a deliberate choice or by a deliberate choice. Uh, and I think it makes for a really uncanny, kind of incredible place to live. That everywhere I've ever been uh, in the rest of my life, you know, there were people who were there because they were just sort of stuck. Um, and New Orleans you know, is a place where people are advocates for it. People are, are invested in the life of the city, the recovery of the city, the health of the city in a way that I think is really quite unique. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that that's, that's something that we can preserve. What's it going uh, to take to preserve future. that momentum? I, you know, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, we will have a, a generation of folks at some point who, you know, aren't just, Katrina isn't in the back of their mind, right? right. After 15, 20 years, people probably will be stuck here. There's certainly real funny people yeah. who felt stuck at Katrina. You're right. I mean, people don't generally um, get transferred here right. for business and things, yeah. Right, so it's, um, it's, I'm not sure how to preserve it, but I really like it. It's a quality that I think is, is kind of contagious about the city now, and it's one of the, the things that uh, I think is quite wonderful about it. Now, Will, let me ask you a question. Um, uh, I bet you guy that would have an answer. What, who's your favorite hero from a movie or a book? Favorite hero from a movie or a book? Yeah, can I go second on this one? Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm punting. Do, do you have anybody in, in okay. mind? Yes. Okay, that's another Demo Diva announcement. I want to be, I want a cartoon. I want the Demo Diva cartoon. And my hero is Dora the Explorer. And so I have the entire idea laid out. So if there's any animators out there that's listening to this, please contact me. Would tear down so homes, basically would Demo Diva and her sidekick, her little friend the Debris. Monkey? No, Debris would be the dog. Oh yeah, okay, all right. And her Debris, I got it. Was, I got it Debris would be my rescue dog. And then Diesel is gonna be my little male friend that accompanies me in my magical dumpster that goes around the world in disasters. And in the magical dumpsters are bobcats and tools and sawzalls, anything to clean up a disaster. So we can go to Japan or we can go to Kansas. Demo Diva goes anywhere. So, so you're going to be the star of this in some oh way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my god. But I think that it's a great story of hope for children around the world that whether it be an earthquake or tsunami or a hurricane, hope is always around the corner. Well, wow, that was a lot more than I bargained for. <laughs> that, thank you so much. I, I think I'm going to have to stop punting to you because it means I have to follow those answers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a problem. And you've invented Sustainable Man. I, the, yeah, uh, group that, um, I have, actually. I'm glad you asked. Um, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, actually, with uh, the Robin Williams character from Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that who I think is like an extraordinary character that in part by um, acting as a hero to somebody else sort of saves himself uh, from all the things that, you know, he's been trying and to do. And you deal. went to MIT. I did. So I that's did. supposed so to be like where it. that was, right? Yeah, it's, it's You supposedly. could be. Um, that Williams. could be you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> now, you know, we're, this is the part we like to call pay it forward. Uh, one of the hallmarks of the current business renaissance in New Orleans is the spirit of cooperation in the new business community. On Out to Lunch, we asked our guests to join with us in the spirit of cooperation by using their experience and expertise to uh, help an up-and-coming entrepreneur. And Simone and Will, today, we're looking at a business called 504 Enzix. 504 Enzix is a cybersecurity company who also does a digital forensics investigation. In other words, they protect you from being hacked, or if you get hacked, they figure out who did it. Uh, the managing partner, Joe Silve, says his task is taking his company from the successful level it's attained by local reputation to something bigger. Uh, Joe asks, how can we reach the people at medium to large size businesses who are in charge of IT security, especially since a lot of these companies don't think they need our services until they actually get hacked. Uh, Simone, Will, what would you advise Joe in uh, growing this market? I think one of the challenges you often have in growing a business is understanding what are the networks that connect decision makers to each other. Uh, and how do you, you find your way into those networks? You had mentioned just in your own growth the story about you, know, you bought a Volvo piece of equipment, you painted it pink, suddenly the people at Volvo heard about this uh, and they became interested in what you were doing which I'm sure helped your expansion enormously. Yes. yes. You found your way to decision makers that connected you to a whole wealth of other people. Uh, and that's, that's what I would advise them to think about is sort of who are the three or four people out there who are positioned in a way that they could um, create some explosive set of opportunities for the leadership of 504. So a couple of IT people, for instance, in the city that are mm -hmm. viewed as the leaders in the, in the area? Uh, potentially in the area, or if they're trying to go to other areas. You know, how do you find the folks that, that make that decision? I know just as another story, there's a friend of mine that was one of the founders of DoubleClick. And he was telling me at one point that when they were, were really in the nascent stage, they realized that this one guy who could land them a huge contract uh, took a specific train line to and from work every day. And he was on the train for an hour. Uh, and they had like a $4,000 marketing budget. But they spent all $4,000 on that train. <laughs> right? And uh, the, it, it was like they were AT&T on that train. Um, but nobody else in the world had ever heard of them. Uh, and then that guy sort of helped them land their next big thing. So it's, it's sort of figuring out how to target very specifically the the people who can most influence the field that you're trying to go into. That's right, because I guess Simone, uh, one of the things to think about here is that you're not in, in uh in his in Joe's business, you don't need to have everybody know who you are. You just need to have these uh, the key people. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell a short story on me. My, one of my mottos is "Fake it till you make it." And <laughs> <laughs> I had nice um, started my business with two hundred and fifty dollars. I targeted the demolished properties in Lakeview, so I had a small footprint. And I went to those properties that were cleared, nice sandy lots that had been demolished, and I asked the homeowner if I could put my sign in the yard where there was no home. And they said, well, sure, we don't know where that demolition company went. They, were, they weren't from here. So all of a sudden, overnight, I started to put Demo Diva signs all over. Were these and pink? Pink and black. Sure. And so everyone said, Demo Diva, you're everywhere. And I said, oh, we are so busy. We are blowing and going. <laughs> as God is my witness, I hadn't done one demolition. I did not own one piece of equipment. I only owned the name and the marketing. And it is all in the marketing. How do you position yourself? So this young company, I spoke to an uh, insurance man today who does um, demolition insurance across the country. And I said, well, I'm not really a big demolition company. He goes, oh, 
well, that's not how your website appears. <laughs> and so, number one, that company needs to position, their, their marketing is good, I looked at their website. Pretend like you're a big boy. Act like you're a big boy, talk like you are with the confidence of that. And then of course, as Will said, I think target two, three, four key people that can help take you to the next level. Don't think grandiose, we're going international. Think we're going to go regional. And then we're going to go southeast. And then we're going to go half the country. And it's, you know, growth is just in baby steps. So, um, and I think also being transparent. You're not, whatever you're selling, and particularly this, this type of business, 504 Forensics, you're selling trust. I did not sell demolition, I sold trust. Trust me to find out the answer. Trust me to go get the permit. Trust me to do right. Don't pay me till the job is complete. And so this in particular is a very trustworthy business of uh, you know, computer protection and data protection. So I would say that marketing, positioning yourself, and then projecting what you are. I mean, be transparent with your customer when you're on the phone. Do the networking in New Orleans at the Chamber and uh, Jefferson Parish, New Orleans. It, or um, New Orleans Chamber as well. Yeah. Well, these are, this is good advice for yeah. Joe. I thank you, thank you very, very much. I'm sure Joe thanks you as well. Uh, Simone Fake Will. Fake you make it, Joe. Yes, Joe. that's right. <laughs> and everything in pink, Joe. There's a <laughs> Simone Will. Uh, often we talk about the entrepreneurial spirit of New Orleans. We're often talking about tech companies and web-based startups. It's great to be able to point to you guys and see that that same spirit is in the real world, literally building and rebuilding the city. Thank you both for everything you're doing, and thank you for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Oh, fantastic. God. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's yeah. great to, great to have you It's great to clean up for lunch. Yes, that's right, <laughs> we'll clean up. To, and don't tear down this restaurant, it's beautiful. There's a, uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Simone Bruni, founder of uh, Demo Diva, and Will Bradshaw, co-founder and president of Green Coast Enterprises. To find out more about Simone's demolitions or Will's constructions, follow the links on our sites, www.no.org, and it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Dr. Cliff Brigden is our digital guru. The much-talked-about Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Our intern is Caroline Kaufman. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Era studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for its neworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again here next week around the Out to Lunch table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.